Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Emily A. Francis. She is author of Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of the body. Healing Ourselves Whole will give you the tools you need to clean your emotional house from top to bottom. This groundbreaking interactive book contains a journal and access to audio meditations for you to listen and to listen to as you need. The meditations will help you dig deeper into the past trauma and discover when and how that trauma took root. Learn to get in touch with various parts of the physical um, energy body and how to use them and let go of stored traumas and rediscover the deeply held joys that have also been stored within the body. Emily A. Francis is a highly sought-after speaker, author, and wellness expert. Her commitment to total body, mind, and spirit wellness is her driving force. She believes in a whole-body, proactive approach to wellness where balance is the key and kindness paves the way. For more information, you can visit her website, which is www.emilyafrancisbooks.com. Okay, with that, I'd like to welcome Emily to the show. Good day, Emily. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having me, and what a nice introduction. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, it was all you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, anyway, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking um, and, and learning from, you know, what you share um, about in your book. Now, first, I think um, I usually like to start with kind of getting, um, giving the uh, listeners a sense of, you know, kind of your journey. So would you mind sharing with the listeners a little bit about, you know, your um, path and kind of how you got to the point of where you're doing, you know, up, up to this particular point with the book? Well, that means I have to take you on a parallel universe. So the uh, education (laughs) background of me, I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science and wellness. 20 years later, I went back to school and got a master's degree in human performance. In between, I went to massage school for clinical and neuromuscular massage therapy. And then after graduation, specialized in something called manual lymphatic drainage and decombined uh, decongestive therapy, which works with uh, post-cancer, people that have chronic swelling. Mm-hmm. So, and then Reiki, a lot of different healing avenues. So I've studied the body and how it relates to the world, how you carry your vehicle into the world around you. But with all of that, I have a, a beautiful resume that I have built over the last 25 years of study, more than 25 years. But somewhere in the middle of that, when I hit 25 and I stopped drinking excessively because I self-medicated with the best of them, uh, I say my mask dropped and the crazy appeared. So I went from teaching aerobics every day, being a kickboxing instructor, a yoga instructor, and, and full-on working out all the time to being terrified to walk into a gym, to go anywhere. I lost 
total control of my life because I became afraid of everything. I barely left my house and I took, it was seven years of, of fighting. My dad died when I was really young. I was just 13 and he was my favorite person in the world. And we didn't seek therapy. My family didn't believe in that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like, Mm -hmm. you have two weeks to grieve and then you're never to talk about it again. And so I self-medicated and I partied. I was really good at it. And then when I hit 25, it was just like, I can't do it. I have nothing left to give. I have no more faces to put on, put on the show. And I stopped drinking for a year. I really, I just realized I was really dangerously close to the point of no return. And so I took the year off of drinking and I didn't have anybody in my corner saying, good for you. That's great. Instead, they were like, what are we going to do on the weekends? This is going to suck. Are you even going to be fun anymore? You know, it was like, okay, oh, no. friend, I'm doing <laughs> okay. this. And, uh, you know, and I wow. said, I'm a terrible peer pressure person. I can make a lot of people do a lot of things, but you cannot make me. So if I decide that I'm done, then I'm done. Right. So I did that right. for the year. And when I came back to it, it was like, okay, that's my year anniversary. I'm going to try some drinks and my body just no longer had an attachment to it. So I just, I really, I don't drink anymore, but what, I mean, I can, but I don't. But what I started doing was really intensive therapy. And what I learned from all the different rays of healing, from the Western allopathic to the far Eastern, uh, really metaphysical and everything in between is that your body has memory in it that remembers how to function healthy. And our job is to feed that memory track to bring it back to life and remind ourselves how to function well. And that's what it took for me to come back to my life and reclaim it and start over. And I feel like I'm really a very different person. So if somebody knew me 20 years ago, they really would barely recognize who I am now. But yeah. that's it. That's, the, wow. that's, that's a pretty massive <laughs> response. But that, it, it means that I have the training, but yeah. it also means I have the depth to share it. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, and and that's what. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's really. I think it's really just important to you know recognize that you know the position you come from is very strong personal experience. Um, you know, and, and and I think one that's one of uh, um, I guess it was going to be a positive side effects of that is going through that and being able to help others go through it once you get, once you get through it. It's true. You know, it, it, you know, grief is such a massive thing. And I, it's interesting because I'm 46 years old now and I'm at the place now where a lot of my friends are losing their parents. And when I was, when I went through that, I was just 13. I was in the seventh grade. Nobody had experienced that. And everybody looked at me differently. And it was like a relief to go to college because nobody, it didn't follow me. I went to a different state and I went to a different school than my friends. And I finally just got to be me where people didn't associate me with the girl that lost her dad or, you know, all the different things. And, you know, grief, grief changes who you are. It, It just not something that you can repair, you can build. But one of the things that I talk about in my book is, I remember going to a psychic and her saying to me, I want you to tell me something positive that came from your father's death. And I have to say, even still to this day, I find that question completely offensive because how could I find something good? Yes, I have created something good along the way, but that's not, I don't, I don't look at that and go, wow, that was such a good thing. (laughs) 
you know, look what I did. Yeah. It's more of like, yeah. look, look what I did with it finally, you know, but it was really like I, people all the time in healing try to, try to gloss over some of these incredibly deep wounds that are still open. And I think the way that we can approach is with a much gentler touch to understand that that wound is open and it's never going to fully close. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope I don't, <laughs> you know, come you know, have, have that, you know, the idea of, of no. minimizing, no. You know, trying to minimize it. No, no, Not I know, all. but, you know, but, I mean, but it's something, you know, it's just something to think about because, um, you know, when we're, you know, trying to process, you know, stuff ourselves, um, our interactions with others, sometimes it's, it's hard to judge, um, what would be appropriate, I guess, you know, and so um, I don't know. And, and I think a lot of people don't say something because they just don't know what to say. And I think that's the best thing to say. Okay. I think that is exactly the thing, you know, and this is silly. I'm going to take it to a really superficial level, but social media, you know, a lot of people post their traumas, on social media because it's a way for them to explain that they're hurting and everybody right now is hurting. But I find yeah. even in this, that it's really hard to, I, I can't scroll past somebody that lost something, but at the same time, it sounds so insincere when you leave a comment. And so I find that I either go to, mm. I am deeply, deeply sorry, or I'll send a private message with more and more stuff. But I, I, it's such an mm -hmm. interesting thing because nowadays with social media, you can see inside people's windows. I mean, you know what they ate for breakfast. You know what they did every day. They're really, right. really well, they forthcoming <laughs> with information. They tell you. Yeah. And so when they tell yeah. you, they want some sort of support. But it's, it's right. a tough place to, to navigate with authenticity in general because yes. it's hard to mm -hmm. come across like, hey, I, I, I really appreciate what you're saying and I'm, I'm deeply sorry I wish there was something I could do to help. I live in, you know, I yeah. left the United States. You probably don't know this, but I left the United States this year, and we moved to the island of Malta, which is in the Mediterranean oh Sea, gosh. just below Italy. It's its own country, and most people <sighs> have never heard of it. But it is like I up and left and moved to paradise. And so when I, when I say that to people, like, hey, is there anything I can do? I can't be there for you. But you can email me, or you can call me, or we can video, but right. I definitely can't see you in person anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, all right. <laughs> it, it is. It, it is very. Now, now, first of all, Malta, I mean, I'm envious. <laughs> you know, that sounds like it a, awesome. a Oh, I know. I just, you know, I, yeah, I just, that's a whole new, you know, that's what I would be on that to-do list, you know, hopefully it's getting higher up. I, but um, You know, I have to tell you, it has been the greatest thing ever. Everything that I dreamed about, it's better. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, see, I have heritage on my mother's side from Italy, and my my brothers and and nieces and have all been over there. I have yet to get there. So, oh. Um, uh, looking forward to that. But anyway, let's get back to let's get back to trauma. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, so um, one of the things that you know that we we mentioned that um, we're talking about trauma in various ways. And now, one of the things is how would you describe trauma in, in, in its, 
I guess, most expansive way? So the way that I understand trauma is very different than the way that a psychotherapist understands trauma. So the work that I do is with hands-on somebody's body. And I specialize in something called emotional release. And that is that when we do our body work, people tend to tell the truth because they're in a very uh, sacred place, of safe space, and they feel vulnerable and also more in tune with the stories that their bodies hold. And I'm going to tell you what I mean. If you, and this is the most surface level, but if you were in a car accident and, and I were to work on someone who had just been in an accident or recent or even years later, but let's say recent, and I start by the muscles because you can start to like play Sherlock Holmes and make your way through the muscles and figure out exactly the position at impact by the way the muscles are speaking. Hmm. But when you ask somebody questions, which way were you looking? Where exactly were you hit? All these things. Every, the memory around it is very hazy. And that's the gift of the mind at a time of trauma or impact. The mind disassociates, separates, or leaves, ejects out of the body so that it can survive. Now, think about a real, like a massive trauma, like an assault, like a physical or sexual assault. People talk about counting cracks on the ceiling, anything they can do to get Mm -hmm. out of their body Mm -hmm. while this is happening. And while that's happening, the body secretes hormones that make it slightly less painful. But the gift of the mind is that you can leave your body. The body does not have that gift. There is no eject button on the body. So anything that happens to you slices and goes right into cellular memory, fascia, muscle memory, the blood flow. Chinese medicine believes that memory travels through the blood and plasma. And um, what happens is that the body then takes in that trauma and it stores it. And even there's a cognitive term called a trauma capsule, which means that it's too much for the mind to handle. So it shoves into a little capsule, drops into the body, and you walk away. But the work that I do is the part is picking that capsule up from the soft tissues of the body and working from there. So when you come to see me, we are not doing superficial circle, circle years into therapy. We're going right to the source. Tell me the memory that your body remembers. And they don't necessarily remember until there's touch involved. It's, a, it's an incredible, beautiful, and also heartbreaking experience to, have, to touch someone and their body all of a sudden remember things. And yeah. that's, to me, where the trauma really lives because, in my opinion, you can do years and years of cognitive therapy and you can have tremendous results. But if you add that body piece in, it is so much more efficient it's faster, and you cut to the depth really quickly because the body, in my opinion, stores it as heavily, if not more, than the mind because the mind is also open to interpretation. So as the Buddhists call right. it the monkey mind or different Native Americans call mm-hmm. it the coyote medicine, it's the trickster. Um, you can see other people's movies and other stories, and your story, your internal story can shift ever so slightly, but it can shift. But the body doesn't have that. It's not like you can tell the body a story and the body goes, you know what, I'm going to change my story a little bit. Instead, the body remembers it exactly as it happened, as a truth. And so getting into that space, and that's for trauma, that's for shame, that's for grief, that's for for, um, guilt. Those are the things that we lace ourselves up with and they become patterns. And our body is where, to me, it's the only place you can really unlock them. Yeah, you know, and, and we're going to talk about those four heavy four emotions in a second because you know that was I found that really interesting. Um, but when it, when it comes to the body absorbing 
you know, and storing a trauma. Now, is it is it creating a biological link to the event? I think so. No. I think this is where okay. a lot of I'm, chronic illness happens. Okay. Because it, that was when it, when it comes to the idea of the body holding on to it, you know, you know, and and but and I would think also to the you know the contrary to the fabulous four emotions that we'll talk about too, um, that um, it would seem that it would store all of it, you know, as a all of it total. <laughs> Okay. And that's the other thing, you know, and, and I, I actually wish I would have pushed a little harder for the subtitle to have the word joy in it, because the other half of the book is the fabulous four emotions. The world, our bodies are not just a mixture of trauma. The things that are stored in our muscle memory and in those tissues is the times that you had incredible bliss. That's why when a certain song comes on the radio and your whole body feels it, because it's in the memory tracks the same way a trauma is. So, have, you know, how many times have you listened to a song and all of a sudden you're 16 again and you're with the love of your life from <laughs> the beginning, you know, not the, you know, not the final love of your life, but the first one that you felt so hard for or your best friends or, you know, what scent was around or what you, what you were drinking or, you know, any of those things, they're all in those memory tracks. And, and my job in the book and in life, in my opinion, is to help you pull those memory tracks of the positive and plant more of them. Because it does elicit right. different hormones in your body, and it helps to unlock some of that that's discomfort or dis hyphen ease, you know, or chronic right. tension mm-hmm. or chronic pain. And and in our bodies, we have the secrets of healing, and we just don't really pay attention or access it. And not enough research has been done on the physiological response of happy, of joy, of what it means to be connected, and then ultimately to become empowered, to how to hold your own space and go into the world with it, takes an incredible amount of work. It, it's, it, but once you earn it, man, you can never go back. It's yours to keep. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so uh, I, by the way, I do want to let listeners know that if you would like to um, ask Emily any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359 and those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them um, there. Um, so now when it comes time to, you know, with, with trauma that um, – there's a, I guess, a process to go from where trauma is, you know, suppressed to being released. So can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, first of all, suppression, you know, just, um, and, and then the release aspect. So that's what I call the action bridge in my somatic emotion chart, which somatic is a fancy term for body. So all the body emotions. We have the heavy four, and then you have the action bridge, which is suppress, process, release, which takes you to the, the fabulous four, happy, joy, connected, empowered. Suppress means that you're choosing not to go there, and that's what we do for many years when trauma occurs. Suppress means that you are making a conscious decision not to visit, and it's just going to stay in the body. But it's not just going to stay in the body. It's going to grow roots. Uh, and then process means that you are willing to look at it as the observer. You're no longer the person. You're no longer the victim in the center. You're watching it like a movie screen as an observer. And you're willing to take yourself back there and start to look at the different aspects of, of whatever it is that you're holding on to. 
and then release we do a cord cutting as our main source of release where we allow the the situation person person place or thing to be disconnected because when we do connect ourselves to somebody let's say let me go ahead and just go there let's say sex even if you think you can have a one night stand energetically you have created a cord to that person so there's a lot of people that believe that their energy stays in your field for 7 years it's why a lot of spiritual people advocate not being really promiscuous because you're sharing so much more than you think you are. Um, but, but whether you're dating, whether it's just sex, whether it's an assault, uh, you're creating a cord. There's a cord now from you to that person. And so what we want to do is acknowledge where that cord is in you and where it went into them. So if it's at someone's hands, it might be from their hands to your reproductive area or wherever they touched you that you, that you really have stored the pain. And what we do is we cut the cord like a giant rope, like the kind you used to climb in PE class, and you pull mm-hmm. it out of your side. You don't have to pull it out of their side. That's up to you completely. You can walk away, and it can be hanging out of them. But, you know, that right. cord is exactly what people talk about when you break up with somebody. And the, usually it's girls. Mm-hmm. We get heartbroken right away, and we go through the grieving, <laughs> and it feels like the guy never cared. Okay. And then all of a sudden, we finally start dating another guy, and boom, our old boyfriend starts calling. That's the cord they finally start to feel Mm. that you are releasing the cord. Whether you actively Mm. cord cut or not, you're releasing it. And that's the energy. It's kind of like when somebody dreams, you dream about someone, and then they call you a couple days later, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I was just thinking about you. That's the cord. (laughs) The cord remains in place with everything you've done and every person unless you take the time out to change the cord. And it's interesting. I went through a therapy called EMDR therapy, which I highly recommend. It's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So a trauma in the brain sticks exactly in time to the day and time that it happened. So my, my trauma loop for my dad's death left me at 13. There's no memory at 15, 20, 21. It's 13. So I went to EMDR therapy so that they could help lift the trauma loop from my brain of the 13-year-old that's frozen in time. And nobody had ever talked to me about cord cutting, and they didn't talk to me about it during this session either. But they brought up a memory, and all of a sudden, I had an image of me standing in front of my dad, and we had this really thick cord from my heart to his heart. And my dad handed me giant scissors, and I thought, no way, I don't want to cut this. No way. Mm -hmm. And he urged me to cut it. And then when I cut it, I pulled the rope from my heart and out of his, and guess what? He hugged me in the meditation, in the visual, whatever, whatever you want to call it. He could, he could actually get close enough to me to wrap his arms around me. And I had never realized that that big cord kept us distant. And so it's not just cutting cords of somebody that caused us harm. It's cutting cords so we can love the memory and the person from a different shape and a different perspective and a different right. space and time. Mm-hmm. And that's how I learned about cord cutting. And I think it's really a beautiful practice. But I I feel like because mine happened naturally and nobody had taken me through anything, and because it was such a place of love, I look at cord cutting very differently than a lot of people. So it's not just a, you hurt me, I want to cut you out, I want this to be ended, you know, I got to sever it. It's it's both. You can do it that way if somebody, it's, everybody has a combination of different traumas, of course. Right. And everybody has a different place of joys. And so... In order to get over to that side, though, we have to rearrange the way that we have been holding all of those memories and experiences. And that's why we took it to the release part. 
Yeah. Well, you know, and cutting the cord in the way that you described it um, is uh, a an alternative, I think, that some people who have just done the, you know, I'm done, you know, it, you know, we're done, period, this is it. Um, it gives an alternative way, you know, to that would, that doesn't have that negative overhang or, or taste about it, I think, that the other one does. Yeah, I agree. And and you can do it, Bo. I mean, obviously, it depends on which things you're dealing with. But it's, it's right, beautiful right. to know that a cord cut can be out of love, out of I want right. you to be happy on the other side. I've got to start being happy here. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're um, up about halfway through the show, um, Emily, so I'm going to take just a quick break. And I do want, again, want to invite listeners, if you'd like to call in and, and ask any questions, dial 619-789-4359 in those in the chat room. Any questions, feel free to pose them there. And, and then when we come back um, from break, Emily, I want to start to go in and, and talk about the um, heavy, <laughs> the heavy four emotions, and, and then we'll end up sure. on uh, the, the up and fabulous, okay? Wonderful. Great. Okay. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Emily A. Francis, and we are talking about her new book, Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of the body. And again, for more information, you can visit Emily's website, which is www.emilyafrancisbooks.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Emily. Yes, thank you. Okay, great. Now, before we start to go into those heavy, those heavy emotions, um, in the interactive part of of your book, um, can you? Um, Tell us just a little bit more about the journal and, and the audio meditations that are associated with getting your book. Gladly. So um, each chapter goes over one emotion, 
And in that chapter, I introduce you to the emotion, and then I take you through a, a rather lengthy, lengthy meditation to help you go into your own body and learn how to dialogue with it and, and listen to the messages that have been stored there for so long and planted. So the meditations are about 15 to 20 minutes each, and they're incredibly uniform. So for the heavy four uh, chapters, the meditations are almost exactly the same, but working with a different um, different emotion. And then after the meditation is a journal entry in the book, because really writing things down really solidifies your healing, and it helps you to remember what you just did in that deep meditation, what your body had to say. And so in every chapter, all the way through, there's a different uh, meditation, and there's a different uh, journal and the final chapter is the rebirth and it's um it's a really powerful chapter as well and that's where the interactive comes in is i i basically made this book um the two books before this were the body heals itself which is about why we carry pain where we where we do and then the follow-up book was whole body healing which was who to go to when you're looking for places to to heal and this book healing ourselves whole is the work you do alone it's the work you do with yourself. And right now, and you know, I started writing this book before COVID ever came to town, but it couldn't have come at a better time because this is the book that doesn't require you to call anybody. It's your work. And so I really love that. It really, divine timing was on my side for this. And uh, the journals are on my website and also the audio meditations. I recorded them uh, a year ago now or almost and they are going to be free, and you can listen to them because they are written in the book, but it's really hard to follow meditation while reading it. So I find that listening <laughs> it to is. it allows you to just totally get into it. And the person, yeah. my producer, that did the meditations with me is a hypnotherapist and a producer. So the music ah. that he created is so nice, and I'm really proud of it. And the cool thing is, so I have all the audio meditations in my voice, but – the book just got picked up in audio, and it'll be a professional narrator. She was actually Goodreads, Goodreads Narrator of the Year last year, and she'll be doing the whole book on audio, including the meditation. She'll re-record all the meditations. So if you buy the paperback or the Kindle version, you'll, you'll go to my website, and you'll be able to listen to me. Or if you buy the audio version, you'll be able to listen to the narrator, which I think is really cool. Oh, that is very cool, very cool. Um, okay, so um, now let, let's start talking about um, the heavy four emotions. Um, and, and I just kind of want to go through them in a, in a uh, kind of a high-level way, you know, just uh, and talk about the emotion and then how trauma is created, you know, how tra what trauma would look like, you know, that is created for that. Okay. Like in shame, so, um, like with shame. Is there? Well, let me before I continue. Does the body react differently to each of these emotions, or, or are uh, the emotions? It, yes. Okay. Okay. Great. They do. So, it so was, it was, remember. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Remember again, though, that my work is from my hands on many bodies right, over the right. last mm -hmm. 15 years. Yes. So it's not like Brene Brown, who's my favorite. She's a shame researcher. Hers is all done through behaviors. Mine is done through what I get when my hands are on the actual tissues. So trauma is right. anything that has sliced into you, that, that leaves a negative experience, that has tracked into your memory systems. It can be a minimal. It can be a maximum. 
it, you know, a child could feel traumatized because somebody said something really hurtful to them. And an adult would go, that's not, that's about them. It's not a big deal. Well, to a child, it's incredibly traumatic. And, and that, so all, all levels of trauma need to be respected and honored. And so when, when I put my hands on someone and a trauma comes up, it's not for me to decide if that's worth it or not to go into the work. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But going deeper though, I believe that there's a trauma, shame, guilt cycle. They're always, they're, they're almost always together. Grief is not grief is its own entity, but trauma, shame, and grief and guilt tend to, uh, they're, they're best friends. Now, I believe shame and guilt are dysfunctional, super best friends. But um, shame, in my opinion, and when I feel it, shame makes the body cry. Shame is a softer feeling in the tissues that reminds me of the weeping willow tree or the way that mm-hmm. leaves look right before the rain is about to come in. You know, everything starts to go down. They all kind of mm-hmm. look down. It's when somebody is shame when really hold shame. And I don't just mean holding. I mean, I mean that it laces up into all of your patterns that you're so accustomed to feeling shame that you bring it back in on any numerous behaviors that have nothing to do with it. You can figure out a way to feel ashamed and to feel the shame. And it is, it is a different constitution when you're dealing with that emotion under my hands and my hands are very sensitive. So there's a lot, a lot to that. Guilt, guilt to me is like shattered glass. It is, feeling-wise, it's basically the opposite of shame, but guilt and shame are incredibly similar in behavior. But when I feel it in people, guilt is incredibly heavy, really, really heavy. So I think of it as like shards of glass. You can pick up guilt and pull it out of the body easier than you can pick up shame. Shame is like liquid. It's going to melt in into the blood, into the plasma, into the tissues. It's really Mm going to stay. It's hard. And guilt is you can actually, like, bring it up and out. You can pull it. It's called, like, extraction. It's like an energetic removal. Um, And it it is interesting how how similar the behaviors and the words around guilt and shame tend to go, but the feeling under my hand, it's like the skin almost changes from one to – and it's almost – it's a little bit extreme. So I even use like a, a, a thought of imagine a snake slithering around inside your body. It slithers, it slithers, and it lays eggs in random places in the flow, in the energy flow, the fascia or the blood flow, little eggs. If it's guilt, the eggs are still solid. You can pull the eggs out. If it's shame, mm-hmm. it's already hatched, and now you have the pieces. And the pieces are really, really hard to track down and pick up. Does that make, does that make like, does it turn it into a visual for you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. No, it does. That helps a lot. Um, so now with, okay, this is, this is kind of the path that I was, as you were going through and explaining that, is guilt and shame. First of all, the ability to feel guilt or shame um, is I would think as as varied as there are people on this earth. You know, there are some who are shameless, you know, or, or right. guiltless, yes. you know. So, first of all, are shame and guilt created by um, uh, socialization, you know, as far as what is, quote, right and wrong? 
What what would be the I do believe that. I, I actually believe it's a very okay. big product of your environment. Now I believe that shame okay. is more the words I am. I am bad. I'm a bad person. I'm mm. this. Guilt is more I cause. I create. I cause bad things yeah. to people. I push it on to other people. You know, um I love my mother dearly, but she is very guilt driven. So if she wants me to get something <laughs> mm-hmm. or do something, she does it by guilt. But she'll say mm-hmm. the words, Aren't you ashamed? aren't you ashamed? Or she'll do it funny and go, aren't you ashamed? You know, and it's, uh, but it's, you know, uh-huh. I work so hard. I'm doing this. And it's a lot of I words. And then you feel terrible. And then she gets you to do whatever it is that you, that she wanted you to do, yeah. but she created it by a guilt pattern. And then long yeah, after see, she and, 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 isn't there, and, it's my and voice. And you give now. into it though, but you give into You do. So, I do. I do yeah. every time. And that mm-hmm. stuff makes me crazy. And honestly, I watch myself with my kids. Because sometimes when I'm really, really frustrated, <laughs> I will resort mm-hmm. to guilt. And I will catch myself and go, girls, I love you so much. I don't want to do that to you. That's, that's how Yaya talks to us. I don't want to make you feel guilty. I just really wish you would do what I asked. And I call it out because I don't want to build that in them. And I don't do it often. But when I do right. it, I will call it out really, right. really fast to try to not let them lace it up as a behavior. Yeah. Yeah, you see, that's kind of what I wanted to get at for those listening is, is to to have that level of awareness to know, you know, you know what a reaction, what your what a parental reaction, you know, happens. You know, when when frustrated, which you know, I'm sure happens often, um, but but just to be aware, and then like you say, well, what you did with with your girls is is bring it around and. You know, at least have them be aware of what's going yes. on. Yes, because I don't want them to have that. And the other thing is, think about this. How many, uh, you know, I love watching relationships. I actually wish I was more of a sociologist or could do more research because I think that people's behaviors are so fascinating. And I, because I listen to people on the table, uh, I've listened to a lot of people going through a divorce or that are having really big struggles, and a lot of it comes down to communication. Now, what I've noticed, though, is let's say that it's a guy and a girl, uh, it's a typical behaviors, and a girl may say, I'm angry, and then they start bringing up all these old things, or the big thing that you did wrong. Mm-hmm. That's a guilt tactic. That's a you caused. You caused me harm. You did this to me. I want you to feel it. I want you to feel all the pain I feel because you did this, and I'm never going to get over it. It's a guilt tactic. It's wanting somebody to feel that pain. But you can't, even if they felt it, even if they cried and begged for forgiveness, they still will bring it up because they are <laughs> guilt-driven. They are, that's, right. that's their lacing. So it's really not, mm. you know, hey, you know, you did this. But the guilt thing is more about other people. It's I caused this. I brought this mm. on. That's a guilt thing. Shame is more of I am this. I, you know, I am so stupid that right. I always go for this person. Right. And then the person, you're just constantly guilting them. You did this to me. You did this to me. You did this. And the person feels like crap, you know. And you can, you can cause somebody else to lace up with a new pattern. And they can become the guilty yeah. guy or the guilty girl. You know, you can. And your environment, I can't even express this enough. Your physical environment that you are surrounded in can totally open up to a healing path or never let it be. It is, it is so much about the outside world that you have created. It's not just your mental talk. It's what's around you. It's what you're 
who, who you have around you, how you're treating yourself in context with who you have around you. It's, uh, you know, healthy sleep and healthy mindset and healthy food and different things. Those are all things around you. But it's also right. who are you living with? Who are you spending your time with? Who are you – do you feel better because you've been around them? Or do you feel like they have sucked the ever-living life out of you and you just have no idea how to change it? <laughs> Because mm-hmm. that's happening, especially right now in COVID. I mean, if you thought you might have had some issues being locked in <laughs> with them, <laughs> is, there is no hiding it anymore. You know, and so yeah. everybody, there's a lot of people in trauma right now. And, and yeah. whatever, if, if, you're, if you're with somebody who loves to guilt you or shame you or, do, or just throw stuff at you or suck the life out of you, oh, my God, you've got nothing left. You're empty and depleted, and you have no idea how to find that because, it, I, you know, that's another – it's the thing. It's not just the work you do alone. It's not just you finding inner peace because it's really hard to find that if your whole outside world doesn't, doesn't recognize it and doesn't resonate with it. Right. You finding that inner peace has to do with how you feel on the inside and how you take it into the world around you. That's what empowered means. It's you finding that yeah. strength inside yourself and then taking it out into the world. And, you know, for me, I, I, I cannot be around people that, that aren't conducive to my healing environment. I cannot do it. I've done it too many times yeah. with too many people <laughs> and for too long. Right. And now, and, and I'm lucky because I have an amazing family, right. my husband and my children mm-hmm. and, you know, and my animals. I have, we, have, we flew four animals from uh, America to Malta. <laughs> I mean, I live in a house with a lot of love, which, by the way, people that are listening – if you don't have a pet and you've been wanting to get a pet, please consider getting one. But, oh, don't do it just for a short time, please. <laughs> but they will change your life. Right. Make a commitment. Make a commitment, yes. Yeah. So now we're, 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 before we go into the fabulous four emotions, um, you, we mentioned a couple times this COVID and the pandemic. So um, in your opinion, I would – Things that you feel that basically the whole globe has created a has experienced a tra- trauma. I mean, to the extent yes, of I do. absolutely, um, yeah, because nobody's and, and unaffected what, by it. Yeah, there is so no now, one. There's no one that their life hasn't changed this year. No one. So. With that in mind, so we we're looking at the point now where we've all been traumatized in probably in multiple areas, you know, depending on, um, you know, our, our life experience. But how does one um, start to um, recover from that this particular trauma? Is, is it based on the – well, is – is trauma just uh, such a personal thing that like one, what one person may experience like the pandemic may be much more traumatic than what some other people would experience. Yes, of course. And that's also, again, I think in a lot of ways, first of all, what their situation is, you know, I have a friend that lost both parents to COVID. How can you expect them to behave the way that somebody else does like me who got to up and move and go to paradise? during it you know that's right. not I mean right. my I've still I've still dealt with some things but my, mine's been a I don't want to say a beautiful experience because that's not fair but everybody has well, a different experience it can be I mean you know it can be I mean for you me know, it's been a blessing that's, that's, I have loved it. having my family home yeah. 
Yeah, and see, that's see, I guess that's my point is is that it's the same kind of situation, um, but but you um, you see that you know the blessing aspect of it versus the dark side of it. That's also the environment you live in. I mean, I, I am yeah. I am incredibly grateful when we all get to stay home because I love everybody that I'm surrounded with in a small space. If it were opposite, or I had you know, I got married later in life and I had already sort of learned how to own my stuff instead of blaming and doing a lot of things. And so I have a great relationship <laughs> with my with my husband. And so it's not hard to be locked in. But if I would have, you know, but many other times in my life in many stages, it would have been like my version of hell to be locked in. <laughs> and so where somebody right. is in their life and what is the situation right. that they're living with completely sets the tone for the level of trauma that that is happening right now you know not everybody rejoices when they say okay kids stay home we're going online we're staying inside you know and I don't I mean and we were lucky because our kids went to school here I wasn't doing what happened in the United States my kids have been in school since day one this year they finally locked down just this month and they're already back in school so for me Mm. I held on for dear life to have them to myself even though they were still online, it was just so nice to not be picking up and running this and that and, you know, just so busy, Right. you know, right. that it's nice. It, yeah. but, but, you know, this is a, a worldwide, nobody's unaffected and everybody has lost at least somebody or somebody of somebody, you know, somebody through something. And it's just, right. it's, it's been hard in different ways for everybody. But I hope, you know, as we do create our environment to be healthy and loving and nourishing to our soul, then you can really, the the way that you view trauma becomes quite different. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've kind of really gone back to the, you know, the environment one is in. So to me, it seems that um, an important first step in changing that trauma or, or the release is, is changing one's environment. I mean, it's something now people are more or less, have more or less freedom to do that. But when possible, it would seem to me that then changing the environment is what would get you on the path. You know, um, I, I'm going to just bear, I'm going to slightly disagree. It's actually, it would be a great first step, but not if you haven't done the work inside. It's a, okay. a the changing the environment is a reflection of where you are. And so you first have to do that nucleus work deep, deep inside yourself, Mm. because when you start to do all that internal work, your environment is going to change whether you set out to change it or not, because there's going to be things that you're absolutely not going to put up with anymore. This doesn't resonate. I'm not going to do it. You've already done that deep healing. And, you know, I think about this a lot because, you know, me moving across the world, I have moved before in my life when I was single and in a very different place. And it was horrible. It was so lonely and so hard, and it made my anxiety really, really bad. And um, I'm really proud of myself for how much I love this move, and I, I, I got to move with all my people. But here's the difference. I had already done the internal work. So, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of, like, Buddhists talk about the non-attachment and that if you, once you find in, inner peace, you're going to be peaceful anywhere. I completely disagree with this. I completely mm. disagree. Even if you find some level of great inner peace, if you live in a war zone, or you live in a place where people are carrying guns and shooting up schools, how are you going to feel peaceful even though you've created inner peace inside yourself? It's not, it doesn't work. 
it's, it's just not fair to say, you know, once you're peaceful, you can be peaceful anywhere. I disagree. And I, I say that because before I moved here, I lived in a place that did not resonate with anything about me. I lived in a very mm-hmm. southern town in the Bible Belt of Georgia, and I felt like I had to crawl into a box and become invisible so that my kids could be accepted and the town was okay, but it didn't fit me. And I still loved my right. life in my house. I still loved what I had already right. become, and I loved my writing and my things. And I started writing this book from that place, and I can see exactly where my life changed because I'm writing and saying where you are right now could be totally different a year from now. That was me wishful thinking at the time because I felt like that you know, round square peg in a round hole. It, I wasn't in the right place. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely didn't right, need me. Right. And now that I live here, I am, I am so in love with my life that I, I just can't go back to thinking that once you're peaceful, you can be peaceful anywhere. I think the environment, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you on a bigger scale. My child, when she was three, was diagnosed mild to immediate autism spectrum. By the time she was five, mm-hmm. I had found a lot of outside healing and um, alternative healings, and they removed her diagnosis in full just before she turned five. And the developmental pediatrician said to me, sit down. This almost never happens in the world. You need to claim your miracle and know that everything you're doing is working. And it was amazing, and I'm on, I'm on shows about that. And in the most recent book, Autism Essentials, I'm the chapter on recovery. It is actually possible. This is my whole life is about healing and healing things that people say you can't, you can't heal. Now, that being yeah. said, she had a great couple of years. But then when we moved that, that time to that very small town in Georgia and she went to a school, it was her undoing. And regression came Mm. fast and furious. And all of a sudden, it was like she was three years younger, back on the spectrum, having the same arguments she used to have when she was at the autism school, wearing her hair exactly like she used to when she was four. It was like a blip in time, and Mm. I could not believe it. And here we had three years of recovery, and then boom, we're back at square one, almost square one. And I had to start driving an hour and a half each way back to the original therapies and, 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 you know, changing everything and starting over again. I pulled her out of that school. I created a different environment. I got her recovered again. And if I ever had the doubt of nature versus nurture, I believe that your environment can completely change your healing or totally negate any chance. And, and she was my, she really, I got to see it. I got to see it in example. big, yeah. bright right. colors. Yeah, yeah. When, when when that happens in front of you, you, I mean, you just have to sit up and take notice um, with that. And and I can I can sympathize with it, George. I'm in South Carolina, <laughs> um, uh-huh. New York born and raised, <laughs> so I understand. I understand that. Well, you know, I lived in Georgia for thirty something years, but when I moved to the South wow. Side, it was like. I just wasn't ready for it. I didn't think it'd be that different. And it was so different. And the schools were so different. And watching your children, watching their undoing and knowing that you made that choice on their behalf. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's tough. Terrible. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So now let's spend the last 10 minutes of our hour talking about the fabulous four. Uh, Okay. We probably should have given more time to, but, um, but so tell us uh, how how you got to the point of uh, these particular four emotions being fabulous. Well, these are the ones again that I feel in people's bodies. Um, And also this was a lot of meditation. I wrote this book alone. All the other books, I did a ton of research, interviewed a lot of people. This book, I talked to no one. This was the work that I've done for years and the things that I know. Now, the fabulous four, happy. And happy is a, 
it's not deeply embedded the way that joy is into the muscle memory, but it happens so hmm. often if you allow it that your body has a memory of it and recognizes it quickly and jumps into the flow with it. If that makes sense. Hmm. So um, happy is mm-hmm. something that can happen often. It's bliss. It's uh, it's the, it's the feeling that comes when you change your muscle structure and smile. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful and very easy thing to feel happy. Joy, though, joy is a deeply felt emotion that is physiological in response. There actually is a good amount of research on joy and what it does to the body. And it goes into the muscle memory, cellular memory, fascia, in much the same way that to the level that trauma does. It's very deeply felt and held. And in my opinion, joy is what you can pull from the body to create a health response. So that all the mm. chronic ailment, you know, ailments and things like that, joy is something that brings in the senses. So if you're happy, you just feel it, right? It's just like, oh, right. I'm feeling good today. But joy is like you can pull in the senses and it feeds all of them. And so joy is what I'm talking about when you hear something on the radio and you can experience an entire visceral reaction. That's because those tissues have been holding on to that memory for, since the moment it planted in. The next okay. one is connected. And when I talk about connected, I do this as a, as a thought. Connected means that everything in your body is working on the same team for the same goal. All the thoughts in your head. There's nobody, uh, there's nobody across the board that is having a veto. And there's nobody in the cells, in the cells and in the fibers and in the muscles and in the nervous system. You're all on the same one team for the same goal. So imagine all these little magnets like a train. And when your body is in chaos, the positive and negative charges, they all like repel each other and they can't line up and they can't move anywhere because it's just chaos. And that's what happens with a lot of chronic pain and ailments and a lot of issues, whether it's, um, you know, stemming from the body or from the emotions or, you know, both. So connected means that all of them now have figured out a way to line up and start moving into your health, into your space, that they're all going towards the same good goal. And empowered means that you have now done the internal healing, but now you're going to take it out into the world around you. That's where the environment begins to change because everything that you mirror, you cannot keep things that are dark and dirty. And so you start Mm. to change and you start to lose friends and you start to gain friends and you might lose your partner and you might gain it's It's a different, or you might be lucky enough that you've done so much work that you can take them with you and they resonate and they give you a similar (laughs) reflection. You know, that would be the Uh the best of it, but empowered is is taking it, taking it out into the world with you. How do I, you know, you can't, you can't, can't decide for me how I'm going to feel. But there were a lot of years where you could have. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and that is uh, people really want to get to that point where they're living their life for themselves. I mean, recognizing yes. this is my life and, and this is you know, it's up to me to make the choices. I, it is what I create. You know, I, I, I'm bringing up Brene Brown again because it is my total dream to do research with her where she does the, the shame or whatever emotion she wants and I do it with the body. Um, and I do love her. But she has a Netflix special uh, where she talks and she says something about she's done so much work. She loves herself so much. She, she could drill you into the ground. You're not getting there. Like she, <laughs> she's got that love, that self-love, you know, like, you know, I've done mm-hmm. so much work. I love myself so much. There's no chance. 
you know, and it's like when she said it, it felt so empowered. It was such a physical, I felt it in all of my body. And it was like, oh my God, yes, that's what it feels like when you've done that work. And now all of a sudden you're connected and all the things in your body are working towards the same goal on the same team with no little rioters in your, in your mind. You're not having that little voice in the back of your head going, oh, no, 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 this is too good. This is too good to be true. <laughs> just wait. There's trauma right. around the corner. This is it. You're going to drop dead tomorrow because <laughs> you just had too much fun. You know, and that's the guilt. Guilt coming in. You know, oh, I can't right. be this happy. And then shame because now you're a bad person because you shouldn't be this happy if you have grief, right? But it, now you're going on right. to the happy and the connected and empowered. And connected gives your body the boost it needs and empowered then takes it up into the mind and the emotions and takes it everywhere else. And now you own it and it's yours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Emily, this has really been a wonderful treat to speak with you. Um, and I, I enjoyed our conversation. I got a lot out of it. And I'm sure the listeners did as well. Now, I do notice that on your website um, that you have all of the pertinent social media places, correct? I do. Yes. Great. I have it so all. If you, go to, Emily, if you go to Healing Ourselves Whole, you'll find all of them. Okay, healing ourselves whole. Great. Okay, I, I, um, healingourselveswhole.com. It'll take you to this. It's the same website. They just have different names and link it. it to the same one place. Perfect. But healingourselveswhole.com yeah, is easier to say. <laughs> it is. Okay, great. Well, thank, thank you very you so much. much. Thanks for today, having Emily. me. It, it has been thank my you. pleasure. Um, nice again, to everyone you. today. Thank great. Again, everyone. My today, my special guest has been Emily A. Francis. We've been talking about her book and her work, but the book is Healing Ourselves Whole, an interactive guide to release pain and trauma by utilizing the wisdom of the body. Again, you can find out more, like she said, by going to healingourselveswhole.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.